0: Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons Worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. The following article is from the September-October 2020 California Freemason Magazine, and the title of it is Scottish, Right? A San Francisco lodge is sporting an eye-catching new look and showing a little leg. Call them distinctive, call them bold, call them whatever you like. But no matter what, when you see the can't-miss new outfits that members of Prometheus Lodge Number no. 851 in San Francisco are planning, don't call them plaid. Plaid is what you see on pajamas and tablecloths, explains lodge member Hal Wilkes. The pattern of the Prometheus-specific kilts that are in the works are more precisely referred to as a tartan. Wilkes should know. The professional bagpiper spends much of his time in full Highland dress, which includes a tartan kilt, a sporin, a sort of purse worn around the waist, and ghillies or shoes. Along with fellow lodge member Patrick Craddock, the owner and chief designer of the Craftsman Apron, a company that specializes in, in Masonic regalia, the two made the perfect pair when it came to envisioning a new look for Prometheus a traditional observance lodge that prides itself on its impeccable ritual and attention to sartorial detail. The lodge is no stranger to eye-grabbing outfits. Members frequently wear specially made neck toes or bow ties of orange, black, and gray, the same color scheme they're planning for the kilts. Similarities to the colors of the local Major League Baseball team were coincidental, they insist. Each color is symbolic. The black represents the formality of the lodge. The gray, the city's characteristic fog, and the bright orange, formerly known as International Safety Orange, an homage to the Golden Gate Bridge. Altogether, it creates a very distinctive effect, Craddock says. When you see a group of guys sporting this type of design, you might not know who they are, but you'll definitely know they're all part of a group. The scrutiny that members pay to their attire isn't mere fussiness, Craddock says. Instead, it's rooted in the idea that gentlemen ought to take pride in their appearance. As with other traditional observance lodges, Prometheus's formality, evident in the lodge's black-tie banquets and frequent ritual rehearsals, is what attracts new initiates to the lodge in the first place. That said, Prometheus members don't take themselves too seriously. Not always, anyways. Take the tartan, for instance. There's nothing inherently Scottish about Prometheus number 851, except perhaps its members' passion for single malt. The idea for a lodge kilt surfaced years ago during a retreat at the historic Columbia Lodge in Gold Country. After the banquet, Wilkes walked outside and began playing the pipes, to rouse everyone up and get them ready for scotch and cigars, he says. As Craddock remembers it, the next thing we knew, there was this music coming from the dark streets. It was eerie and beautiful at the same time. In years since, Wilkes repeated the evening serenade at the annual retreat and members came to expect it, and jokingly, to connect the lodge to all things Scottish. Finally, in 2019, Lodge Master Jordan Yellenick asked Wilkes, who holds the title of Lodge Pipe Major, to design a custom lodge tartan. Wilkes went directly to Craddock and the two put their heads together to create the Prometheus Tartan, a crisscross of black and orange striping known as the Warp and the Weft against a field of light gray. While COVID-19 has slowed the tartan's planned rollout, Craddock expects to see members don the Prometheus kilt and accompanying dress jacket by the end of the year. In the future, he says, the getup will serve as formal dress at lodge rituals, meetings, and banquets. Written by Antone Perucci. The following article is from the Fall 2002 California Freemason magazine: Lodge Spotlight: Children in Need. Alameda Masons Rally Community Support for Orphaned Siblings. An April benefit dinner at Island City Lodge number no. 215 in Alameda helped raise over $7,700 to help 5-year-old Roseanne Pespiterio and her 10-year-old brother Vincent, who were orphaned last New Year's Day when their mother, father, and grandmother were killed in an auto accident. The fundraiser was a great success, says Lodge member Scott Colcourt. Over 100 non-Masons joined Lodge members at the event. The dinner raised $5,500 and prompted donations from other organizations. The total proceeds exceeding $7,700 went toward the Children's Trust Fund. Mike Popmizel, principal of the Children's School, says, So many members of the communities, all of Alameda, the East, West and Middle, have rallied behind this family. Relatives of the family were overwhelmed by the community's generosity and said that they will use the money for the Children's College expenses. An aunt will raise the Pespatro siblings. The children's father had lived in Alameda for 15 years, but his wife and children joined him from the Philippines only four years ago. Teachers at the children's elementary school and members of the family's church established a trust fund for the children shortly after the accident. Additional efforts to help the devastated family were coordinated by Lodge members Colcord and Dennis Wallace. The following article is from the Fall 2002 California Freemason Magazine. Lodge Spotlight Masons and their working tools, two California Lodges, rebuild and refurbish homes for those in need. For several years now, Crow Canyon Lodge No. 551 in Castro Valley and San Mateo Lodge No. 226 have partnered with volunteers in hands-on home repair to benefit local homeowners whose property is in need of anything from a facelift to a complete overhaul. The Lodges have been part of the program Rebuilding Together, formerly known as Christmas in April, which involves a sponsoring group and a team of volunteers helping to repair and remodel homes for those who are unable to do the work themselves. The event is basically an old-fashioned barn racing, says Robert Logan, Master of Crow Canyon. Our Lodge members represent all trades, which enables us to take on complex projects requiring extensive repair or rebuilding. Diana Engel, a single parent with four children, three of whom are foster children, was the recipient of Crow Canyon's volunteer work this spring. Renovations included a new cone of paint for the house, numerous repairs, and the installation of a fence around her property. Diana was especially appreciative of the Mason's work and offered to help within the Lodge record keeping and the Kids ID program. This project increases our visibility in the community, says Brother Logan, which is important to increasing public awareness of the Masons and what we stand for. San Mateo Lodge has been involved with rebuilding together since 1999, when several Lodge members worked on a project in East Palo Alto. Ron Edwards, past Master of San Mateo and a General Contractor, oversees the work as House Captain. The Master of San Mateo, John Nelson, coordinates the volunteers for this much-anticipated annual event that now also involves Burlingame Lodge No. 400, Job's Daughters, Masons, Wives and Children, and assistance from local contractors and skilled trades. Their work for the day generally involves electrical and plumbing repair or installation, carpentry, scraping and painting, general cleanup, and gardening. Last year, a crew of 34 volunteers, aged 15 to 80, worked at Minnie Murray's home, scraping and painting inside and out, repairing the plumbing and a portion of the roof, and removing a hazardous section of the chimney. Donald Bendel, aged 73 and disabled, was also a recipient. Donald has lived in his home for 50 years. San Mateo volunteers completed the much-needed repairs in one day. This year, Josephine Omaleo, age 42, received assistance from San Mateo Lodge. Her home, which she shares with her three daughters, son and granddaughter, was in great need of repair. When the work was completed, Josephine was asked if she liked what the San Mateo Masons and volunteers had accomplished. Like it? Like it? I don't like it, I love it, was her response. She plans to participate as a volunteer next year. Not only are the recipients moved by the Masons Community Service, But others in the community touched by the work also share similar feelings. An employee of this year's lumber supplier is San Mateo's newest entered apprentice. He was so impressed with what we were doing, says Brother Nelson, that he decided to become a Mason. Lodge profile. Worth the trip. In Barstow, one lodge's reputation for camaraderie is known for miles around. Between the traffic and the sprawl, pretty much every Southern Californian is resigned to spending several hours per week in a car. That's just the price we pay, says Miguel Vasquez, who lives in the heart of Los Angeles near LAX. Vasquez is an extreme case. As master of his not-so-nearby lodge, Barstow Boran Number 682, he makes the more than two-hour trip into the Inland Empire numerous times each week to sit in the East. Still, you won't hear Vasquez complain. Neither will the other members of the 122-person Lodge, which has distinguished itself in part by just how far its members are willing to travel to sit together each week. After visiting the -the out-of-the-way temple one day with friends, Vasquez knew immediately that the trip was worth repeating. "'Right when I stepped foot inside the Lodge, I knew it was something special,' Vasquez says. Other members of Barstow Boron No. 682 agree. "'You're only a stranger once,' says Darrell Kemp, a past master. "'We take fellowship there very seriously.' That takes the form of a jam-packed Lodge calendar. With about 30 active members, the Lodge devotes much of its time to participating in local parades and fundraisers, and hosting dinners for Lodge widows and special guests. But it's the unofficial Lodge events that really bring members together. No matter what you're looking for, there's a good chance another member wants to do that too, Vasquez says. He points to a weekly Lodge lunch that's been going on for more than 40 years. It's a chance for four or five of us retirees to check in with each other, says Ed Hignett, Lodge treasurer and a 50-year member. Others can join the wrecking crew, wherein members descend on Lodge Secretary Bob Smith's garage to work on cars or other mechanical projects. It started out as some members coming over to use my car hoist, but now we've got a group of guys who are good at welding and other mechanical work, Smith says. Then there's the Lodge's fight night for watching pay-per-view boxing matches on TV. The specifics of these gatherings can change, Vasquez says. In the end, it's the group's eagerness to incorporate one another into their lives away from the Lodge that's created such a tight-knit community, and that keeps members driving all that way week after week. We have some great men in our Lodge, says Jim Ford, a founding member of Boron No. 822, and still an active member of the consolidated Barstow Boron No. 682. That's why I'm still willing to drive the 45 minutes to Lodge each time, he says, which is a pretty big effort considering I'm 94. Lodge Spotlight. Nights at the Round Table. It started as dinner among friends. A decade later, Round Table number 876 is a fully chartered 40-member Lodge that's known for its deep camaraderie. That focus on friendship is intentional. A meeting of the Round Table Lodge is specifically crafted with a relationship building in mind. Guests are vetted closely, but once in, they're all the way in. Families are invited. Conversation is lively. The atmosphere is elevated but unpretentious. Drinks are poured. Plates passed. It's kind of like, well, a dinner with friends. And therein, members say, lies the secret of creating Masonic Harmony. If you want to feel at home, you go out and make your home, says charter member John Yemendijian. The result for Roundtable Number 876 is a lodge where egalitarianism is the fiercely guarded rule. Disputes are snubbed out collectively, and deep engagement with one another is the norm. Says Alex Astian, the lodge secretary and one of the men most responsible for its founding, we love one another. I talk to them more than I talk to my own biological family. That's the bond we have set. We caught up with some of the original members of the group to learn what keeps the lodge so close. Written by Lily Young. And then following are some quotes from some of the members. Freddie Davis Lodge Chaplain Core Values When I joined Masonry, it was like round table. People were engaged, we did things. A lot of lodges got away from that. In a regular lodge routine, you do the meeting, you do the business, you leave thinking that you didn't feel connected. The round table is fun, with good food, good fellowship, we make it a very special night. John Yemedijian, Charter Member. Support crew. As with any good family, you have to learn how to share and how to be there for each other. Hamlet Ketcherian, Past Master. Back to basics. We are not here for titles or to be praised. We are not here to be worshipped or honored. We are here to practice masonry at its core. That is the most important lesson that the rest of the lodges should follow. Come back to the reality of what masonry is all about. Another quote from him. Celebrating Diversity. Masonry unites men from every country, sect, and opinion. Roundtable embodies that. It was started by Armenian members. I'm from Lebanon, Alex is from Egypt. We have different opinions, different backgrounds, but we get together and practice Masonry. Alex ostjan Lodge Secretary. On the level, we don't care if you are rich or poor, a doctor or a mechanic. We only care that you love Masonry. Also from Ostjan, Conflict Free Zone. If we see a conflict between two people, we ask them, why aren't you interacting? If someone says, I don't like that he likes Trump, or something like that, the secretary says, that's not what we're here talking about. Don't bring that here. And then the last one is from Yemenijian. We're family. We bring in our wives twice a year. We became more like a family, involved in each other's lives, visiting and doing events. We brought toys to Shriners Hospital. I still don't know if my brothers are religious or not, or Democrats or Republicans. The positive aspects overshadow everything else. The following article is from the Spring 2021 California Freemason magazine and is part of the Lodge Profile program or a series. Ordinary Lodge, Extraordinary Impact. During the pandemic, one lodge helped keep local businesses afloat. At first glance, Vesper No. 84 in Red Bluff looks a lot like any other rural lodge. The large brick hall sits on the town's main drag, the bottom two stories occupied by businesses and local government agencies. It hosts a formal dinner before each state of meeting. The 150-person lodge keeps tracks of widows and makes a determined effort to support its members in time of need. We are a lot like other lodges our size," says Greg Rose, past lodge master and current treasurer. We just happen to be able to donate more to local charities than most. That's something of an understatement. Over the past decade, Vesper Number 84 has donated more than $750,000, and they aren't done yet. We believe charity starts at home, Rose says. In 2020, that commitment saw the lodge give out more than $150,000 to local groups. From small, single gifts to individual programs, such as $1,000 given to the local CHP Toy Drive and $3,000 to a community center for a new marquee, to large, ongoing campaigns such as the $30,000 given annually in scholarships to graduating high school seniors. Vesper takes the tenet of Masonic Relief to a whole new level. Our members are 100% on board with all our giving. After all, it's what Freemasonry is all about," Rose says. Vespers members credit their forebearers' frugality for laying the groundwork for today's largesse, says Andrew Ryland, past master and current secretary of the Lodge. Their foresight is what has allowed us to give so freely. For decades, the Lodge's Rainy Day Fund grew until members decided it could be put to better use. It was a no-brainer for us, Ryland says. We focused our efforts at home and are happy with the impact we've been able to have. The biggest charitable task to date came in the early days of the pandemic. We were frustrated that these big box stores were able to stay open, but our local small businesses were forced to close, says Dean Koffer, Assistant Secretary of the Lodge. So Vesper created a loan program for local businesses forced to remain closed due to state mandates. With help from the local Chamber of Commerce, the Lodge posted loan applications online. The response was tremendous. We were the first to offer this kind of relief at the time, since it was before any state or federal aid was released, Koffer says. In the end, the Lodge gave out 120 loans of $1,000 each over the course of three rounds. Heartfelt letters of thanks came rolling in from businesses that were able to pay the rent or the electric bill. We don't do this to pat ourselves on the back, says Kofer, but those letters meant a lot. Written by Tony Perucci. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment.